Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. You are tuned in for the latest edition of the ODPH podcast, and we want to say let's continue that conversation, shall we? So definitely make a point to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. All our social media links are there. You can check out Parlay Points, new complimentary blogs coming up this week. Got a lot of them on schedule, too. The T Public Store. It's going to be Black Friday as we're releasing this episode, so you know you want to get some ODPH swag. You know we're going to be doing something on there. And all that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media so we can find you and interact. That's how we do it here. Yes. So as we said, we're talking sports. And if it's this time of year around Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there in the ODPH society. Yeah. We got to talk some NFL. Yeah, we do. We have to recap one of the ugliest weeks in recent memory. It was wild. Absolutely. It's week 11 of the season. Playoffs are kind of slowly creeping in yeah. to the discussions for some teams. Are they going to make it? Are they going to break it? We don't know yet, but we have to analyze what went down because it did reveal a, a couple stories that we can kind of dive into. Mm-hmm. But as we re- re- review the week, see, I'm getting so emotional, I can't even talk about it. We have to discuss some locks and leaps. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so we'll start with my lock. I chose the New England Patriots to defeat the Atlanta Falcons because, hey, Atlanta sucks, and New England's pretty good right now. Uh, and holy shit, did they ever. Uh, winning by the final score of 25 to nothing. Uh, Mac Jones, 22 of 26 for 207 yards passing. One touchdown, just one interception. Uh, Matt Ryan, 19 of 28, 153 yards passing zero touchdowns two interceptions the patriots are in playoff mode mm-hmm. i hate saying this this is a, because i'm a bills fan yeah but the devils are back i hate saying this but my god mac jones is picking up the ball and running with it this team is clicking on all points yeah and for the rest of the afc you have to be very, very apprehensive going up against this team. Oh, yeah. The defense is just absolutely insane because I mentioned they picked off Matt Ryan twice. Uh, they eventually pulled Ryan uh, and put in Josh Rosen, who complete, <laughs> completed one pass for five yards and then threw a pick six. Oh, jeez. And then they pulled him and put Felipe Franks. Uh, who the hell are you? He come in, came in and promptly threw one pass, and that was picked off. So the Patriots picked off three quarterbacks in one game. So they had four interceptions. Oh, by the way, the defense was in their backfield all night sacking uh, Matt Ryan for uh, four times. I mean, this defense is clicking, and it's not exactly household names we're no. talking. They're doing this the Patriot way, and it's a scary sight to see if you're on the other side of the ball because this team is just getting started. I thought, in all honesty, sure. and this is not a diss by any means, sure, I thought they were going to be a season away. 
for being this. Good. Oh, so did I. I. I thought maybe there was a chance they could make the playoffs, but they'd need a lot of help. Right. You know, I figured they'd play all right, but they'd lose more games than they won. At no point did I sit here thinking, you know, in the past, oh yeah, they're going to be sitting here seven and four later in the uh, in the later part of the season. Like, no, no, that just was not equating. But this is where Belichick and company step up, and they have really made the most out of this team that they have. Like I said, they're not superstar levels no. per se. You don't sit there and go, this is a dream team put together. Yeah, this is this is Madden with the budgets and all the financial stuff turned off. Right. But they are making it happen with this team that these are starting to remind you of those Brady Super Bowl teams. Especially early on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what's really, you know, having me having deja vu sure. as a Bills fan watching this. Mac Jones is managing the games. He's moving the chains. He's looking as poised as a veteran mm-hmm. five years in should look. Yeah. And he's only a rookie. And he's got a better win record than the rest of the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL combined. Well, that whole mess with every other rookie quarterback that has been drafted this past draft. Yep. Every situation other than the Patriots one is completely messy, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Chicago, I don't hey. even want to go into. Hey. I'm really going to try holding it back, hey. but my God. Gosh, you are doing that kid a, a disservice. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't want to say the word bust is coming, but yeah. just with how he's been mismanaged this season, that is going to take some time to bounce back from. Yeah, And it's not on him. It really is not no. on Fields. I want to make that very clear because I don't want to go on a complete rant about how they have completely ruined that kid. It's reminding me almost of the, the Tua situation in Miami. Sure. To a degree. To sure. a degree. Sure. It's apples and oranges, but it's still all produce at the end of the day. But let's talk about the Patriots and just how they're clicking at all cylinders right now. They are looking like they're going to make a run for the AFC East title. Mm-hmm. They might get it. Yeah, they could. And then if they get in those playoffs, I don't know if there's a team in there that really wants to face them in that first round that they do face them. Well, and especially, the, you know, everyone figured they'd go back to the Patriot way of just a couple of years ago when they dra- uh, when they drafted, when they traded for John o. Smith and Hunter Henry, mm-hmm. myself included. You know, I thought they'd go back to the days of the dual tight end threat, pass happy, but not so much the case because now you've got the two running backs, Damian Harris and Rahamdre Stevenson. You know, Stevenson had 12 carries, 69 yards, no touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Harris had 10 carries, 56 yards, no touchdowns, which doesn't sound sexy, but you look at the averages. Yeah, Uh, Stevenson averaged 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, Harris averaged 5.6 yards a carry. So combined, they were over, you know, 11 yards a carry, which adds up a lot over time. Oh, absolutely. No, this team is just on point with everything they're doing. Josh McDaniels is calling masterful games. Yeah. And that defense is playing as lights out as it can be, mm-hmm. especially without those big names like Stefan Gilmore, who's yeah. no longer there. Yep. You have to really sit back and just admire what this team is doing. And on the other side of the ball, Atlanta. Hey. It's it's time to just dismantle and move on. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to do it. Matt Ryan, I, I think, is just should get out of this team and just restart. Get a new quarterback, just everything yeah. new. You're going to need to do something. Yeah. I don't care that you've won four games this season. Look, I, I know what I see on paper, and if there wasn't a curse haunting this team when New England comes to town, mm-hmm. the 25-point differential – 
There was an au- there was an audible "Let's Go Patriots" chant towards the end of the game. Yeah, this I'm was just saying this was the weirdest case of deja vu that I think I've seen in in sports history. Yeah, no, Matt Matt Ryan needs to go. You know, he can find greener pastures someplace else. And and don't get me wrong, Kyle Pitts is a good start. You know, obviously he mm. didn't have the greatest game, three catches, sure. twenty nine yards. But hey, that's what Belichick does. He takes your best offensive option, shuts them down, and forces you to adapt and try and go without him, and that didn't happen. I mean, there was a good first couple series that the Falcons had where Pitts wasn't even a factor, and even Troy Aikman brought it up. Like, I, he, he was really surprised, you know. But Pitts is a good start, but let's face it, you ain't got no run game. You know, mm-hmm. your leading run, uh, rusher had nine carries for 34 yards and no touchdowns. Right. Your leading receiver was Russell Gage, who had five catches for 49 yards and no touchdowns. So outside of Kyle Pitts, you need a lot. They need a lot, and they just need to rebuild completely. Pitts is a good start, but yeah. he's not going to be the guy to get him over the hump. And for Matt Ryan, I just don't even know where you go from here. I uh, really don't. I, like Greener I said, pasture, someplace else. I understand you got four wins, and I get that, but still, that's – Nothing on this team is exciting me to say like they're going to be a good team moving forward. Well, by the end of it, and when you know you had the back-to-back interceptions, you know I think it was Mike Florio on the Pro Football Talk Twitter account goes, "How exactly did Atlanta win four games this year?" Yeah, exactly. I think it, it just proves how much parity there is with the lesser level teams in the mm-hmm. league, because the ones that should be running away with things, yeah, are coming back to earth a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think the ones that were going to be middle of the pack are showing flashes of brilliance. Atlanta is just a fluke. Yeah. I'm sorry. It is. Because this team should not be winning any games. They are on that Detroit level. I'll go out there on a limb and say. Yeah. From what I've seen of them, maybe just a hair better, but not much. Yeah. Well, the city of New York hates them because that's two of their wins with the Giants and Jets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their other win is against Miami. uh, And then their fourth one against New Orleans. Here's the interesting thing, though. These wins might all be flukes just because they beat the Giants 17-14. Three points. Right. They beat the Jets 27-20, seven points. Uh, They beat Miami 30-28, two points. Uh, And then they beat New Orleans 27-25, two points. So outside of the Jets game, the rest of these are three-point, two-point wins. So they they very well could be flukes. And the Jets aren't really a team. This is true. Sorry, just pointing that out there as well. So for Atlanta, well, better luck next season, question mark. Hey, at least you got a World Series? Yeah, you, you did your job. You beat the asterisk. So you got a, you got a World Series. That. You got Trey Young playing down there. So it's not total shit down there. Yeah, one out of three things ain't bad. Yeah, but let's talk the Patriots schedule coming up though. Yeah, so they got uh, playing Tennessee this coming Sunday. And then they've got Buffalo on Monday night the week after. They've got a bye week in week fourteen. They've got the Indianapolis Colts uh, on week fifteen, which just got flexed uh, onto Saturday night. Of all times. Oh, the doubleheader on the... Yeah, NFL Network. Okay. Yeah, so that's a 8.20 on the NFL Network. That just came down today. After that, they've got the second game against Buffalo, and then Jacksonville and Miami to close out the year. I will say this. If the Patriots are going to make that run, you got Tennessee, Buffalo, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. That's the stretch run that if they can pull off three wins there, yeah. they're in. I There's not even a question. They will lock in a playoff spot if they can win those three straight. Tennessee is beatable. Yeah. Buffalo, oh, I'll get into that. Don't you worry. And then if they can sneak out that last win, they're going to be doing some moves right there. So you you have to think. But Indianapolis is the most boring team in football, so we don't know what's going to happen there. I will say this. I think the game will be low scoring. Probably. Between Patriots and Colts on that day. Probably. I'm not meaning that as an insult because, like I said, Patriots can drop 25 on their sleep, and they did that in this one. So 
We'll have to see what they do moving forward. Well, uh, well again, they can trade out the games in Indianapolis, so we know there won't be any pressure issues, if you catch what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what? I almost forgot about the flake gate. I don't forget about it, fuckers. Yeah, I know. Well, the Patriots fans, you, you guys have a right to complain about that one. Uh-huh. No arguments from me about that. Nope. Now, let's go to your leap, and this was my leap, too. Yeah, because I think we both looked at this and went, oh, hell yeah, this should be easy money. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, life got in the way. Uh, we both chose the Dallas Cowboys uh, to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs because, hey, Dallas is on the upswing. Kansas City, who's to say? Uh, but ended up not being the case. Uh, Kansas City won by the final score of 19-9. to uh, Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 37 for 260 yards passing. No touchdowns, one interception. Dak Prescott, 28 of 43 for 216 yards passing. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions. For being a high-octane offensive game that we thought this was going to be, yeah, this was a dud. Well, to be fair, we looked at this one on the schedule and we went, oh, Patty Mahomes with Travis, Kel- oh, yes. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, you know, that we, we ended up finding out a couple days later that they were getting Clyde's Edward Hilaire back. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the flip side, you got Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper, you know, and Michael Gallup, plus, uh, what was it, C.D. Lamb. So high-octane offense, great, you know, great uh, offensive line. And then Amari Cooper, you know, uh, you know, tested positive for COVID, you know, mm-hmm. so he was out for the game. Uh, and then what was it like second quarter, third quarter, uh, CD Lamb smacked his head against the ground and unfortunately got a concussion and yeah. missed, missed the rest of the game. So you just had an anemic offense that for, and I know they brought this up during the game and I have to agree with them when you don't really have your top two or three, however you want to figure that order wide receivers there. Why would you not run the ball more? I'm sorry. Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are two pretty good running backs when they're both going. 16 carries, 82 yards between the two of them. Like, what? Exactly. That's all. That's what I'm saying. For the wide receiver core being Alfred Dallas, you still have weapons on that side of the ball. Sure. That can be adequate, not as great. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, losing Lambda injury and then uh, with Cooper's situation, that does hurt them. Yeah. I get that. You still have Gallup, and you still have Ezekiel Elliott. So why would you not feed the ball to one of the premier running backs in the league against a defense that, let's face it, mm-hmm. is very sus yeah. against the run. Yeah. So this is where Mike McCarthy took a step back. I don't know why. I don't get it. It's not like they had such a great defensive scheme to shut down Dak, but they really made a point to give him fits, Yeah, I which mean, yeah, and I was surprised at. Yeah, and i got to say, Kansas City's defense normally sus against the run. Not in this case, I would say, just because, you know, Chris Jones, have a goddamn game, why don't you? Three sacks on Dak. Yeah. Dak ended up getting sacked five times in this game. The Dallas offensive line played atrocious in this one. Uh-huh. But I will say this. Kansas City got the win. It wasn't pretty. But it wasn't pretty. Because I will say this game at halftime was like three to like 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, it was not exactly something they should be saying we're back and the amount of trash talk that I have seen on social media concerning this game. Yeah, there was 16, 16 you know, you'd be, yeah. The brakes need to be pumped, Kansas City. Yeah, you beat Dallas, which, hey, is a feather in your cap. Oh, it's a big win. It's a big win for them. But you only put up, you know, 16 points in the first half and then three in the second half. If Barring if Cooper had been there. The whole other ball get ball of wax, mm-hmm. but even if C uh, C D Lamb didn't get injured, might have been a whole other ball of wax. You know, congratulations, Kansas City, you got a good win. But yeah, you know, you got a good win on paper. But if you really do the temp in the room, if you look past the just the simple final score, y'all, you got lucky. 
Uh-huh. That's how it comes down to. I'm sorry. I'm looking at your stat sheet right now. Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 77 yards. Yep. Kelsey, five catches, 74 yards. Which are good. Good, but not for the highly touted Kansas City offense. We're no. back. No. Oh, put pencils in for the Super Bowl. Let's no. go. Patty Mahomes, 260 yards. Okay, not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then only zero touchdowns. Like if he'd have had three, if he if he'd had a game like Rodgers did, yeah, then I'm go. Which by the way made my goddamn fantasy week. You know, if he'd have had a game like Rodgers did, then yeah, Kansas City fucking back. Like look the hell out. But in this case, yeah, yeah, exactly. You beat a good team, but you didn't dominate them. You, like the- you beat a good team on an off week, which, let's face it, every team goes through those. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So that's why I say for all the social media hype that the Chiefs are back because you beat Dallas, Dallas was wounded. You did what a good team should do, and that's take care of a wounded team Yeah, that's not at full strength. I'm sorry, this is football, this happens. Injuries do go down. So when this happens... We know this is going to be a factor. For Dallas, they could have done a lot better, in my opinion, in certain areas. Sure. Especially running the ball and just Uh, keep running it. That's what they should have done. Yep. But they decided not to. And look what happens. I understand the offensive line was having problems with, you know, giving Dak time to throw. Yeah. But at the same time, you have uh, Elliott in there, and Elliott can do a lot. When they're ganging up on the boxes, when you swing the tight end out, I'm just, yeah. whoever you got out can run five yards yeah. to move the chains and keep the defense honest. Why they didn't do this, again, Mike McCarthy's got some questions to answer. Yeah. Sorry, that's just all it boils down to. But for Kansas City to be hyping, like, we're back, I'm sorry. I will say this right now. If you face New England first round hey. in the playoffs – New England is going to take you out of the game by the second quarter. I'll say Belichick knows how to game plan that team. Yeah, and I'm looking from what I've seen on the game highlights. There is nothing that really says you guys are going to stop a, no. a team like a Baltimore or a New England if you get to the playoffs. I'm sorry, not at this state. You got lucky against a team that unfortunately has some injuries, and that maybe played too much of a factor in their heads for whatever reason. Right, and this was, and this was just an ugly game, you know, in terms of penalties. Both teams had sixty, or excuse me, six accepted penalties, but there were penalties getting thrown left, right, and center against both of these guys. Well, we know how Kansas City goes down. If, if yeah. you talk to Rich from Three Fat Nerds, he will tell you personally because he's a Raiders fan and he's seen how egregious the penalties are. I can say a lot from last year's Bills game. Sure. And I know if you talk to any Cleveland fans, they have a lot to say about the Chiefs and their penalties. I digress. Looking at the schedules, though, moving forward. Yeah, so uh, Kansas City this coming week is up uh, at home against Denver, and then they've got the Raiders at home. Uh, after that, they travel out to L.A. to play the Chargers, They stay, and then they come back home to play the Steelers, and then they've got two real games to close out the year against the Cincinnati Bengals and then the Denver Broncos. Uh, and then on the flip side for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they've got the Las Vegas Raiders, New Orleans Saints, Washington, New York Giants, Washington, Arizona, and Philly to close out the year. Dallas should be fine. Kansas City's going to have to do some work, though. Uh-huh. Uh, like I said, Kansas City, you had a 24-hour celebration, but the party is over. You need, you're you going to need to do some work. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know how else you can do it. Otherwise, you're just it's going to be a long hill to get to those playoffs. Dallas got an easier road. What else can you say about that? Yep. Let's go to my lock, though. And there was some news breaking today coming out of this game. Uh-huh. Because Tom Brady on Monday nights is tough to beat. Yes, he is. And those New York football giants, well, they are the New York football giants. Mm-hmm. No matter what you want to say, no matter how your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy tries to spend and spill it, 
they are still not on that level. This game went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Pad, you got those stats? Yeah, so the Buccaneers won by the final score of 30-10. to 10. Uh, Tom Brady, tw- uh, 30 of 46 for 307 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Daniel Jones, 23 of 38 for 167 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. And I got a little bit of a fun stat for you. Uh, with his performance on Monday night, Brady again crossed the 3,000-yard mark in passing, uh, which makes this 19 seasons with 3,000-plus passing yards. Uh, he has thrown for more. 3,000 yard seasons uh, more times than Terry Bradshaw, Joe Namath, Johnny Unitas, Sonny Jurgensen, and Troy Aikman combined. That's why he's the GOAT. That's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely crazy what Brady's doing, especially at this age. And then the news came down about the Giants. Jason Garrett's no longer offensive coordinator. Mm hmm. Freddie Kitchens is taking over? Yes, sir. Straight from Cleveland. To the Giants. Straight out of Cleveland. Hey, Giants fans, let me know how you're feeling about that. But let's talk about this game. And I mean, this one, we can kind of just say it's Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. Yep. 307-2, and that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a normal day at the offense against a bad team. The rest of the team did serviceable, like I say. He spread the ball around, four players with more than five receptions. Yep. You can't be mad about that. No. Gronk had a good uh, first game back after his uh, series of injuries has kept him out the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a good thing for to see Gronk back. And if they can get him going for the playoffs, they're going to be another force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I know, unfortunately, if there's one takeaway from this game that was a negative for Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. the hype of already saying Tampa Bay versus New England at the Super Bowl was flying through sports media. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's primarily coming through sports media because yeah. I haven't spoken because they're like, oh, fans want to see it. Like, I haven't heard anybody say it. Nobody has been talking about it. Hi, I'm a New it. England fan. I've not said it once. I haven't heard any Buccaneers fans say it. I have damn sure not heard any Patriots fans say it. No. But the fact that I was seeing that posted a couple different places, like, whoa, pump the brakes. Let's get to the playoffs first and see how this matches up. Obviously, right now, without both teams played this weekend, yeah, I could understand sure. it. Sure. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Brady and company got a lot of work to do to get there. And, yeah. I mean, they will have an easier route, I think, if the playoffs do end today. Mm-hmm. But I also know they're going to have to deal with the NFC West, too. Yeah, this is true. And that's not any, any easy opponent when they come across it. The NFC least... Well, you never know what Dallas could do on a given day. This is true. They play them good week one. We got to remember that. Uh-huh. So I kind of have to see how it goes moving forward in those uh, football giants. I mean, listen, all you need to know about the football, uh, New York Giants, and it might be a good thing that they're off, their offensive coordinator is gone. hey, I don't wish anybody getting fired. But when I throw you this stat, you might tend to agree. Uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, who is listed as their offensive tackle, he was a first-round pick uh, in 2020 out of Georgia. Okay. Uh, caught a touchdown pass last night. It's his first career NFL touchdown pass. He has as many touchdowns this year as their wide receiver, Darius Slayton. And he has more touchdown pass catches, excuse me, uh, than Kadarius Toney, their first round draft pick out of the uh, out of Florida this year. And he has more touchdown receptions than Kenny Galladay. Both of them have zero. Well, we have to be honest about this. And I know Coach is not here. And if Coach wants to speak about this on social media, he can. At Coach Duffy 11 on Twitter. Daniel Jones is not the guy. No. I'm sorry. He's not. Your offensive line is atrocious. Doesn't matter who you'd have back there. They need to do an overhaul of this offensive lineup 
top to bottom. Oh, I agree with you, but I also think it's not the greatest look for the offensive coordinator when your offensive tackle has more touchdown catches than your draft pick from the Oh, absolutely. Year. Absolutely. That's, like I don't care. I don't care if you got, you know, Uncle Rico running quarterback for you. You know, if if you got a tackle that's got more catches than your draft pick, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. That's the problem that they have with this team because Garrett always thought that it was like Dallas. I'm sorry, you had one of the greatest offensive lines in Dallas. Bar none. You knew going into the Giants you weren't going to have that. The colors are the same team are the same, but the team ain't. No, absolutely. The jersey colors, yeah, you might be, you know, having deja vu, sure. But once you get on the field, it's a different story. And, Vastly. And how you are not piecing this together, I'm sorry. Daniel Jones. Listen, he's got to go somewhere else. Yep. He's not a starter. In my eyes, I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing this. He needs a fresh start. Like we talk about with Tua a lot. And we, Like I say, if they decide to send Daniel Jones maybe to like an Atlanta or something. Sure. He'd have a better shot. That's my early hot take sure. for that. And, and I know a lot of people thought maybe they reached a little bit because it taken him six overall in the 2019 draft. But, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, I did think they reached a little bit. But I'm like, you know what? These guys in the front office and in the organization know a lot more about football than I do. So maybe there's something there that I just don't know and I just can't see. But we're however many, you know, we're a couple seasons in now and he just ain't got it. No, he's not. But it's also not his fault to a degree as well. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sorry, if you put Tom Brady behind that offensive line, he'd be knocked on his ass. Uh, Yeah. Like if you put Aaron Rodgers there. He'd be taken down left and right. He'd be running for his life. So you're not doing him a great service with not giving him a line, but even some of the choices that Jones is doing when he's throwing the ball, it's suspect at best. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, it is. But he also has happy feet, and I can't blame him. I mean, if you look at the talent they have on this side of the ball, you got Saquon Barkley when he's on the field because we know he's injury prone. And as a Penn State fan, I got to watch him a lot. He's elect. He was electric in college. Yeah, it ain't the same guy I'm seeing now. Exactly. That meant, like, Saquon was on kick returns a, a few, number of times at Penn State. No, I'm not sitting here saying put him on kick returns and he goes to the Saquon of old. But no, watching Saquon and go watch Saquon highlights when he was on kick returns that that was electric. I just don't know what it is. It's just he's not the same guy. No, he's not the same guy. I think he's in his head about his injuries. Could that be. that was something just from my opinion about that. I Could think be. that he's in his own head about his injuries because let's face it, he's not exactly played a full season, no, to my knowledge. So okay, you got one of the best running backs when he's healthy and on the field. Sure, you're mm-hmm. there. Your wide receiver core of Tony Galladay has not really done a lot. No, you got Evan Ingram, who I'm sorry is not a great tight end. You got Kyle Rudolph, who isn't the Kyle Rudolph of old. You're right, but he's serviceable. Yeah. So, that being said, it's not like you don't have enough things to build from, but you're also not getting top-level production from them. No, they got a lot of C-list guys in their receiver core, but they need like a B or an A. Yeah, you got to do something to switch it up. I'm sorry. Tony might be the guy if you give him enough time, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, this is an area where you're in the New York media. You're not going to have a lot of time. No. And that's something that I think that they made the move about Garrett today. Kitchens, if he works with Daniel Jones, maybe can do something. I mean, obviously, he, yeah. did, he did miracles with Baker. That's true. But, like I said, I wouldn't make him a head coach. Keep him as an OC no. to whatever you do. Do not make him a head coach in New York. No. Oh, my God. you imagine those press conferences? Hey. I'm sorry. Like, just uh, some of those Cleveland days hey, yo. stand out, in my opinion. 
But we'll have to kind of wait to see what they do. But they got to do some massive overhauling with this Giants yes, team in a, in a hurry. So their season is, is done. I don't even think we need to mention anything too much about that. No. And then looking at Tampa Bay. Uh, yes, yeah. Ta- uh, so Tampa Bay uh, next week is traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts. After that, uh, they go to, down to Atlanta to play the Falcons. And then uh, they play Buffalo at home. Or they play Buffalo in Tampa Bay. Uh, they play the Saints down in Tampa Bay. Uh, and then they travel to Carolina to play the Panthers. Up to New York to play the Jets. God, that's going to be awful for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and then the last week of the season is them at home against the Carolina Panthers. So they got Carolina back-to-back in December there. Yeah. I mean, those are both winnable games. Possibly depends what you get with Cam Newton. But, you know. Yeah. It's not to say the Tampa Bay doesn't have a lock to get to the playoffs. I think they're going to be in a very good position. I don't know if they're going to be a seeded team or not, but we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in, we're talking about like the one or two seeds. I want sure. to say about that. Sure. But anything is possible with this division. So, like I say, Tom Brady getting ready for playoff mode. He's in his usual habitat right now. So mm-hmm. definitely exciting time for Tampa Bay fans. So let's take a quick lap around the league since we obviously we had the same leap about this. Sure. So Philadelphia defeated New Orleans 40 to 29. Flip, flip, flip Philadelphia. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know where to go with this Eagles team. I really don't. Miami defeated the Jets 24 to 17, but it's Miami. And hey, in other news, water wet. Exactly. This is the Jets. Nothing really to talk about there at home. Washington upset Carolina 27 to 21. And I will be the first one to address this game. The Buffalo Bills were outright ran out of their own stadium by a historic performance from one Jonathan Taylor. They got dump trucked. Oh, they did, and I have no problem talking about. Because I this. watched a little bit of that. I was working on Sunday. I, I watched a little bit of that game, you know, and and I was on my lunch. And when I went back, it was like fourteen seven. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. And then I checked, you know, about a couple, about an hour and a half later, and I saw the score. I'm like, oh, holy fuck, what the hell happened? This can be summed up very, very easily. And I know in our chat group for Locks and Leaps, Mac East from the We Get Dope podcast, shout out to Mac, pointed out, I mentioned this was going to be a problem for the Bills of the pre-show. Sure. Or for preseason show. Their run defense is very inconsistent to the level it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this as a fan. Sure. We have these flashes of brilliance where we show up and we can slow down a Derrick Henry. Yeah. But now we have Jonathan Taylor, who plays on the most boring team in all the NFL. When you see their highlights, they should be in black and white footage with the NFL Films music going in the background <laughs> because that's how boring their team is. Throw on the old-timey saloon music. Seriously, but it works. It's what they do. Yeah. So it's not an insult, but it's a fact. You uh-huh. know what you're going to get out of Indianapolis. They're not exactly going to light up the scoreboard. However... We had a career game from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so final score of this was 41-15 to 15 in favor of Indianapolis. Carson Wentz, 11-20 for 106 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Josh Allen, 21-35 of 35 for 209 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But, of course, nobody's talking about those numbers. The numbers we're talking about is Jonathan Taylor, 32 carries, 185 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Yes, he played an exceptional game. And this is a career game for him. Yeah. Like, I have him on my fantasy team, so this was bittersweet in that you did aspect. Very well. Oh, I did very well. Like, I swept my board this week, so I was happy about that. But I would, I, and I say this all the time too. I'd rather have the real life win yeah. instead of a fantasy win. That's true. But for the Bills, the the problem that they get into is they buy into their own hype a little bit, mm-hmm. and they're still a team that is fairly young. Mm-hmm. 
but they're also a team that really needs to find their identity. Sure. And the one thing is Josh Allen, as much as I love him and I think he's an amazing quarterback, he tries putting too much on himself. He's not taking what the defense is giving him. Yeah. He's trying to go downfield a lot instead of just going a slant pass to Cole Beasley Mm -hmm. or somebody and just keep the chains moving. I understand it's not the sexy highlight, but listen, when the defense starts biting on that, then you can go downfield. Yeah, no, it does seem like that because from the little bit I've seen this season, uh, it does appear that like he does try to make the highlight real play or the home run play rather than just, hey, you know, it may not be sexy. It may not get you career highlights in your in your retirement, you know, package. But it still matters at the end of the day. Whereas, you know, so in instances where he's got a pass play and he drops back and he starts looking around and he's got nothing with him, you know, rather than just maybe rolling left, rolling right, and getting the first guy that's open a couple yards downfield, he starts running around and looking for the guy deep downfield. Oh, no, he's open downfield. Time for me to start running. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm going to I'm gonna get the highlight. Run and slide. Like, you don't really need to do that. No, he definitely doesn't need to do that. But he's this is something he's got to learn. And he's getting better at it. I'm going to say. He's getting better, but when we get into these games, after they come off a big win against a bad team, mm-hmm. they think they can just turn it on like a light switch. And I'm sorry, you can't. Indianapolis, for as boring as they are, mm-hmm. is one of those teams that we said at that pre-show. They could sneak into the playoffs because they're going to do it very, very textbook. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it flashy. They're just going to play ball. This was a game that the Bills could have won, but they didn't. But when you also have Jonathan Taylor absolutely decimating your run defense and you're not switching up the schemes to stop him. Yeah. And you're not getting pressure on Carson Wentz, who reminded me of Peyton Manning in his early days in Indianapolis running around that backfield. Ah. This is a problem for the Bills that they're going to have to do moving forward because this was a bad loss. Now, if they were too stuck on facing New Orleans coming up Thanksgiving night, then I can understand the problem there. Sure. Sure. But at the same time, you're now having a team on your heels that overtook the division via statistically, and that's the Patriots. Mm -hmm. How are you going to bounce back? This is the question you're going to have because I know everybody's saying, well, the Bills, you know, they might not get to the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. They might not if they play like this, but this is where this team is going to need to come together. Sean McDermott's going to really have to get this team motivated and focused on winning and playing a solid game on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Because here's the problem that they're going to have. Jonathan Taylor lit him up this week. Yes, they did. Pad, who are they facing this week? Uh, the Buffalo Bills are facing the uh, New Orleans Saints on Thanksgiving. Do you think Alvin Kamara is a better running back than Jonathan Taylor? Yes. What do you think the, the game plan is going to be for the Saints? If Alvin Kamara plays, uh, because I got him on my fantasy team, uh, run all goddamn day. But at this point, he's listed as questionable. Right. But if he's on the field and he's going at it, it's going to be a long day for the Bills. So the, they're going to need to really figure out things on the fly. If they were overlooking the Colts, let this be a lesson. But I thought we already went through this with Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I really did. But, you know, apparently not. So now you're really going to get tested because you have a very bad stretch of games coming up. Yeah. Pad, you got that schedule? Yeah, so they've got the Saints coming up on Thursday on Thanksgiving, as we mentioned. After that is New England uh, on Monday Night Football. Then they've got Tampa Bay, uh, Carolina, New England again, and then Atlanta and the Jets to close out the year. So the, the exception of Carolina and the Jets. Yep. And Atlanta. Yep. 
Because, well, let me rephrase it. On paper, they should be easy wins. You, you would think, yes. This is going to be a true test of what this team is made of. And for everybody that was jumping on the bandwagon saying Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, let's see it. You know, I'm not saying they got to sweep everybody, but they better at least they, look like they belong they, there. They need some help because, like you mentioned, New England, and I'm not saying this is a homer, I'm just reading stats. No, I get you. New England is in first place, you know, by 0.036 percentage points, and that's simply because New England's 7-4, uh, and four, Buffalo's 6-4. and four, so Yeah, bye week. Bye week. Uh, and then looking at the AFC playoff picture, uh, Buffalo is currently the seventh seed. Uh, the Chargers are ahead of them, and that is because they win the tiebreaker over Buffalo based on best win percentage in conference games. Yeah. Uh, and they've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Colts, Browns, Raiders, and Broncos right behind them. Yeah, so it's not exactly an easy road to the playoffs. This team is really going to need to show up and show me something. Mm-hmm. They really are. I'm not. Am I jumping off the bandwagon? Hell no. I win my bills every week. But I'm saying for you've been I, through a lot of shit over the years with the bills to jump off the bandwagon. Exactly. No, because I I was having some people say like, are you jumping ship? I'm like, no. I said they got to fix some things, and they definitely need to. But this is something I've been saying all year. We don't have a run game, and we don't have a great run defense. I will say I, t- I, me- I won't go through the whole thing again. But I mentioned last week you haven't had a rusher crack 100 yards all year, and yet again Matt Breda five carries, 51 yards. Exactly. The 10.2 uh, yards a rush sounds sexy, but yet again, they haven't had a guy crack 100 yards in a single game this season. I'm going to say this right now. That better be the first thing they look at in the offseason. They have to because I'm not going to spend the time looking at all. They might be the only team in the NFL who hasn't had a rusher crack 100 yards. Could fully see that happening. Cleveland defeated Detroit 13-10. to San Francisco defeated Jacksonville 30-10 to as well. Tennessee took the biggest loss in recent memory to those Houston Texans, yeah, twenty-two to thirteen, uh, that was a locks and leaps killer for everybody this uh-huh. week. It was a slaughter for that game. Yeah. I think everybody took Tennessee in the in our league. I I, I think so. It, yeah. it, if not, it's damn near close. Minnesota upset Green Bay thirty-four to thirty-one. Fucking shootout! God damn. Break it down. Yeah, Minnesota won five. The final score of thirty-four to thirty-one because hey, they had a kicker nail of game with a field goal. Yes, they did. Uh, Kirk Cousins twenty-four of thirty-five, uh, three hundred and forty-one yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Aaron Rodgers twenty-two, th- excuse me, twenty-three of thirty-three for three hundred and eighty-five yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Jefferson on the Minnesota side, eight catches, one hundred and sixty-nine yards receiving, two touchdowns. Uh, Adam Thielen eight catches, eighty-two yards, one touchdown. Uh, on the Green Bay side of things, you had Marquez Valdez Scantling, four catches, one hundred and twenty-three yards, one touchdown. Uh, you might want to double cover that guy. Just mm-hmm. saying. Uh, Devontae Adams, seven catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Dillon, six catches, 44 yards, no touchdowns. Like, what the shit? It was a video game. Yeah, it was. A video game between rivals. It was like an all-star. NBA, it was like an NBA all-star game. Defense optional. Yeah. This was a bad loss for Green Bay, though. Very bad loss. Yes. So they definitely need to do some work moving forward. Mm-hmm. And for Minnesota, I mean, you beat your rivals. So, I mean, their season has not exactly gone the way it, <laughs> they would like it to. No, I mean, they're sitting in second place at 5-5. Five and five. Green Bay is obviously in first place at 8-3. and three. Uh, And then in the playoff picture, looking for – there they are. Uh, Minnesota is currently in the sixth seed uh, ahead of New Orleans and San Francisco. Uh, and they are ahead of those teams based on uh, best win percentage in conference games. Yeah, so they might sneak in there. Yeah. 
but it's not exactly like they're built for a deep run. I That's mean, why I said like they for, might win a game if they pull off some shit like they did this past Sunday. Right, but how many times can you go to the well for that magic? That's going to be the question because as many times until uh, as many times as uh, until. Uh, Kirk Cousins' arms fall off. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to need to rely on. Cousins going for this long term, which I don't know. No. I'm just saying right now. That's why I said the season has not gone their way because they were built to make a deeper run. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, right now they're in a good spot, but with the stretch they have coming up, I don't know how they're going to be pulling that off. We'll see. I'm pulling out their schedules just to see how they're doing. Uh, where is it? There they are. They got Frisco, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Rams, Green Bay, Chicago. Yeah, they ain't making it. It's a tough run. <laughs> They're going to need a lot of luck in that one. They got a tough run. Yeah, they do. So wait and see about that. Baltimore defeated Chicago 16-13 to in a game that was way closer than it needed to be. Well, Lamar didn't play, so it's understandable. Yeah, I understand, but still, it's Chicago. Yeah. They're, they're already switching up quarterbacks for next week. Um, yeah. So, you know, even though it's Andy Dalton, yeah. who is my, you know, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, it's still Chicago, just a mess. I don't even yeah. know, and if if they wind up losing to Detroit, because I believe that's the Thursday game. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I think they'll be making a move at head coach, and I don't doubt Detroit winning that game. We'll see about mm-hmm. Lux and Leafs, but I'm just going to say that right now. Cincinnati defeated Las Vegas, 32 to 13. They were putting up a lot of points in that one. Yeah, and Arizona defeated. Seattle 23 to 13 as well. Mm-hmm. And closing out the action was another video game score. The Los Angeles Chargers. Goal, Chargers, goal. Defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-37. to Yeah, 382-3 and three from Justin Herbert, 273-3 uh, and three from Ben Roethlisberger. Like, this had the makings of, like, a defensive battle because it was 17-10 to 10 at halftime. And then uh, the Chargers came out and put up 10 points unanswered in the third quarter. Uh, and then Pittsburgh put up 27 in the fourth quarter to the Chargers' 14. It's like the defense has just, you know, got stuck in the locker rooms and forgot how to play. It was a video game. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it, especially though for Sunday night. Oh yeah. I mean, I because I flipped, I I was flipping channels between the pay per view and then the, you know the game, and I saw the game at halftime was like relatively. I'm like, oh okay, that's understand, that's understandable. And then I saw it by the end, I'm like, what the shit happened? Yeah, Austin Eckler had an amazing game with four touchdowns. That's true. So, like I say, it was a video game, and that's the easiest way to describe it. Bad loss for Pittsburgh, though. Extremely bad loss for them. I don't know about them making the playoffs. I don't know exactly where they're standing right now. But with a tie and a loss like this, things are not exactly in your favor. Yeah, so in the North Division, they are in third place behind Baltimore and Cincinnati. Uh, and then in the AFC playoff picture, they're currently in eighth place. Yeah, so it's going to be a tough road for them to pull something off. The tie's going to hurt them. The tie is definitely going to hurt them, and that's going to come back, I think, at the worst possible time, too. Didn't they, they tied, what was it, either last year or the year prior, yeah. and, it, and it screwed them out of a playoff spot. Yeah, that's the one thing about it. So the NFL, I wonder if they're going to actually take a look at that in the offseason. I think. Finally. I mean, if they want to, fine. I just say the uh, college football playoff, playoff, college football overtime thing is fucking absurd. Don't go that route. No, they need to figure something out, though. Like I say, for the ties, it's it's at the professional level. I just I don't think that there's a need for ties. I'm sorry. Sure. NHL, we have shootouts. However, you want to do it. For Kickoff. Start at the 20 yard line and work your way back. Something. First like person it. to miss loses. Something. You got to do something for that because that's not. Oh, wait, we can't do that. Justin Tucker's a cheat code in that system. Exactly. So you know the Ravens will be the, the Ravens. Wait a minute. Ravens are all for it. Yeah, Ravens will be all for it. 
A lot of action we went over for this past week of the NFL, but we definitely want to interact with you. You heard our takes. Now we want yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Week 11 of the NFL, how did your team do and where are they going moving forward? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and Time Talk, some wrestling. Wrestling. So this past weekend, the WWE, in my opinion, and I'm sure Pad can echo the statement, had one of its worst PR nightmares go down. Yeah, it was pretty bad, and it was uh, busy. Yes. They decided to do another round of releases, bringing up the total count to 79, if I'm doing my math right? I believe so, yes. So, Pad, let's go over the latest round of WWE releases. So this came out at, like, 9.30 on Thursday last week of all damn days. Mm-hmm. Odd time. Uh, and it was tweeted, I'm reading courtesy of Son Ross Sapp. Uh, Fightful, he said, quote, Fightful has learned that WWE have released John Morrison, Top Dalla, Ashante Adonis, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, and Jackson Riker. So another round of wrestlers released, and this is definitely not the best look WWE has been doing because all through this year, they have been doing roster cuts. Uh, while they've been doing very well for themselves financially. Yes, they're on pace for their best financial year on record. Yep. So, And yet again, budget cuts was reportedly the listed reason said wrestlers were given uh, when they were contacted. You're right. So that being said, Pad, what is your initial reaction here? Uh, I'm definitely shocked, especially because I was not expecting more. I figured there may, might be, and I hate seeing anyone lose their job, but I figured there might be more later in the year, just not so soon because we just had some a week ago mm-hmm. or, the, or the week prior, and especially not at like 9.30 on a Thursday. That was random as all hell. You know, and it was, so it was definitely shocking. See, if they had done this group with the group that they just did a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. I might have been better with it per se. Like, I agree with you. I don't like seeing anybody lose their job. Yeah. I think this is horrible. I think the fact that WWE, with being as financially sound as they've been and trimming all this dead fat, I get it's a business decision, but it's still a bad look. Oh, and especially when, you know, the holiday season is like a month away. Exactly. And I'm sure there's no compete clauses for those wrestlers that were released which even sucks more. Yeah. The fact that you're going to die on working during the holidays. It, it just does not sit well with me as a fan. Mm-hmm. But looking at the group that was released this go around, the one that jumps out of me with like neon lights is Hit Row. Sure. 
Hit Row has been on fire in NXT. They were called up number three pick for the SmackDown brand overall during the WWE draft. Yep. They made their debut on a SmackDown against Enhancement Talent, slowly getting over with the crowd because they'd only been in front of a live crowd, I want to say, twice since on the main roster. That we know of, yeah. Not not, not counting any, like, uh, house show stuff, yeah. Correct, and they've been doing a lot of backstage work. So we knew when BFAB was released from the group uh, two weeks prior, I believe. Yep. Something was not right. But we figured, okay, well, the rest of Hit Row is there. We'll kind of see what it shakes out. Yep. Now we see the rest of the group has been released. And I guess I look at this and say, why did we waste the time bringing them up, hyping them up, only to cut them loose? Mm-hmm. Was their debut that bad that Vince and company thought they're not going to make any money for us? I don't think so. I saw the match. It wasn't the sure. greatest, but then again, it's enhancement talent. Sure. It's not exactly going to light the world on fire. Sure. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, you know, there's been a lot of reports since they release, uh, since the all these wrestlers were released, and especially a lot surrounding uh, Hit Row, because they are, of, of no disrespect to the other wrestlers mentioned, but they are the most shocking of the group. As you mentioned, they were drafted number three, mm-hmm. you know, a month ago. You know, so there have been a lot of reports, and I one of those was, you know, planned. I, I think uh, Top Dolly even mentioned this, like, oh, plans change because they were scheduled for one thing, and then that changed, and then it was another thing, and that changed, and that changed. The only thing I can think of, and this is just pure 100% speculation, and, you know, on my part, I haven't read anything. Nobody's told me anything, but this is just me kind of thinking and reading tea leaves. You know, one of the things Rich always says on 607TWS is that, you know, with a lot of these wrestlers that were released, there was always somebody waiting in the wings mm-hmm. that, you know, Braun was shocking, but then you look at, they had almost, you know, as one example I can give the rumor we heard for a lot of time was that they were going to split up street profits, that mm-hmm. they were going to, they were going to give them their own singles run. The only thing I can think of is that plans changed for them, that they, the creative and Vince decided, you know what? Things are going real well for Street Profits. We like them together as a group. They're doing great things. We need tag teams in our division. Let's face it. Mm. You know, so they decided to keep Street Profits around. The debut of Hit Row might not have gone to the way Vince liked it, or he might not think, ah, you know what, this isn't going to work, and we've already got Street Profits. Because while they are different in terms of, like, rap group, street smart, you know, type of group, they are still kind of the same group. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe it was just a case of the plans with Street Profits changed. Vince didn't really necessarily like the way Hit Road debuted and didn't think there was going to be anything for him. And, hey, we've already got Street Profits. Why do we need to keep Hit Row around? It's a tough question because you don't really know what Vince is seeing and he's thinking these The only days. person who knows is Vince. Exactly. And Vince's circle of advisors, quote-unquote. Uh-huh. So it's very tough to see. For Hit Row, though, they were somebody that was different. They were somebody that was fresh. They were somebody that could had star potential written all over them. Sure. I mean, Top Dollar had been doing a lot of things on social media that was drawing them very, very good attention. Isaiah Zerf, Scott, and uh, Shante, they were doing some good stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you put them in one match, and it was against a dead crowd, too, I want to say. Sure. Like, I remember watching that show, and I can't remember exactly where they were. Yeah. But it just seemed like the crowd was dead the entire night. Mm. It wasn't like they debuted in New York or Chicago or a wrestling town. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's when you go to some of those smaller big market cities. Sure. It doesn't translate. Sure. So I think it was a disservice if you're basing it off that. 
But it's like I say, it's tough to see where Vince is going because his last round that he released wrestlers was November fourth. Mm-hmm. It's now been two weeks since, yep. and we're still doing more cuts. Now, some of them I do understand. Jackson Riker, I thought, was on the chopping block for a long time. The fact that he was still on the roster, I'll be honest, surprised me. And, you know, that's no disrespect to Jackson Riker, but given the circumstances surrounding his personal life uh, and his uh, views and social media posts, uh, I was surprised he stayed as long as he did. I was surprised, too, because they got rid of the other two Forgotten Sons, so I figured he would go with uh-huh. them because they usually try breaking everybody up together. So uh-huh. that one was a little surprising. This, well, it wasn't surprising to me. I was still more surprised he made it through all these cuts. I was like, surprised it took this long. Yeah. Shane Thorne is another one, too, that uh, the legend of Slapjack, never forget. Um, it kind of got lost in the shuffle, obviously, when his tag team partner left. Uh, they've been really trying to find him uh, a spot, and it just didn't work out in his situation. They just ever, ever since they split up Retribution, they didn't know what to do with him. So I, I saw that comment. That, that didn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too shocked at that one. No. Tegan Knox has had a history of injury issues. Yeah, Tegan Knox that was the one to, that was the second one to me that because you, know, you know Top Dollar it sucks, but I never was big on them, so I was kind of eh, you know, on the, on them. You know, Tegan Knox though, was the second one for me on this list that I was like, oh, that kind of sucks, you know, because I, I like Tegan Knox. She's a great wrestler. But like you said, she's injury prone. She's torn her ACL like, what, two or three times? Yeah, it's been something up there. You know, it's so crazy. That, so I, when I read that, I'm like, okay, it sucks, but I I can understand that. Yeah, Drake Maverick we haven't seen a lot of. No, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy Drake Maverick for the comedic humor because as big, meaty men, as good as they can be, and the women, as great as the women can be, you do need that comedic bit, you know, and that guy who can do the kind of shitty, that guy could, could do the shitty jobs that nobody else really wants to do, and Drake was good at that. You know, let's not forget the one Survivor Series where he legitimately wet his pants. Yeah. That was funny as hell to me. You know, but I, like you said, he hadn't really, outside of the 24-7 title thing in couple, you know, in the last couple months, he hasn't really been doing much, so I, I understand it. I know when they separated from Killian Dane when they released Dane, I yeah. knew it was kind of like, all right, where are we going to go from here? It just is kind of puzzling because when he was initially released in 2020, I believe? Something like that, yeah. He was brought back almost immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, he made that very big passionate plea. Well, they had not, the, not for his job, but he was just make he was very yeah. emotional about leaving. Well, and, they had and, the storyline on NXT where he he wrestled a tournament or something. Yeah. To, to win his job back. Yeah, and they wound up actually giving him a contract at the end of it. So to see him released now was very saddening to me. Yeah. But I will say this: he did release a video that mm-hmm. I think anybody who gets released from a WWE, an AEW, should watch. Yeah. Because he hits it right on the head. And he is just reminding himself, like, why he got into this. Mm-hmm. And this is one door closing. And yeah. there's another one opening. And this is not the end. And right now, too, before we get to John Morrison, anybody who gets released right now should realize of how big the independent scene is going right now. Going real well. It's a great time to be working the indies mm-hmm. because the indies are getting back in full swing. You're seeing a lot of them emerge with some great cards. It's a booming time. And I think if anybody should be looked at for how they're handling getting released, look at a Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Look at an AJ Styles. Look uh-huh. at look at a Cody Rhodes per se. Pre-AEW. Right. You make yourself hot on the indies again. Matt Cardona is another one, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Who's probably the hottest independent wrestler on the planet right now. I would say so. You look at how they're doing it. They're generating buzz for themselves. You're making yourself hot. You're making yourself relevant again. That's what gets you work. And it doesn't just have to be against matches with big-name indie guys or big-name former 
TV guys. Mm-hmm. Like Cody, yeah, he had some big name matches over that, but he also did some small stuff. You know, at the shows he went to, there was a situation at the one Excite show he came to uh, here in Binghamton where the ring broke. Yeah. You know, the ring, there was a match, The ring, one of the corners of the ring underneath broke, and it was like, what, half hour, 45 minutes they spent trying to fix the thing? And they got it to a point where they're like, all right, we know, we think it'll hold, but not for long. Why don't we give you our main event, which was Sean Carver's Cody Rhodes? You know, we'll give you that, and then if we're able to go for the rest of the show, we'll go. So they put the, you know, they put the Cody Shankar match on then. And then, you know, Cody, you know, by the end of the night was like, hey, listen, don't tell my wife, but I know you guys had an issue with your ring and I want to help you out. My fee for tonight is going to go to you guys to help fix the ring. Yeah. Which does a lot for your buzz online because all of a sudden there were like a couple hundred people in that building that night that all went, hey, Cody's a good guy telling people in, in town online and that helps build your buzz. Yeah, no, that's a, the thing that you should be doing is just work the indies and make yourself relevant. When you do that and you can generate that buzz, the doors will open for you for the big majors that, yeah. if that's where you want to go. But that's going to be the decision they're going to have to make up. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Drake, I think, hit it right on the head with his video. I think everybody should check it out on oh, his, his Twitter. I think it's amazing. But the last release, though. This sucks. Absolutely did suck. The, the, this is the one that kind of disappointed me the most, and that was John Morrison. Just because I, listen, I didn't get to watch John Morrison from his initial run with WWE just mm-hmm. because it was before I watched. Loved what he was doing. I thought he was making chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, you know. And I was, you know, once they released his wife, Taya Valkyrie, I was bummed about that because I wanted to see them together on the main roster. But it just sucks to see John go just because, especially his run with The Miz was just amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, you didn't get to see him their first go-around. Yeah. And that was epic. And John has always been a guy that, can jump in any situation. Mm-hmm. He's always entertaining. He can always do something. Him and Taya, wherever they go, is always must-watch TV. Mm-hmm. And the question now becomes, where do they go from here? Like, where does everybody go? So let's do a little speculating. We didn't get a chance to do this on 607 sure. TWS last night, which you can find in podcast form right now. Just search out T- 607 TWS. Sure. So, Pat, where do you think everybody's winding up here? Uh, I think, obviously, Hit Row is going to end up somewhere together as a crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say probably Impact, just because I think there's way too many groups on AEW right now. Uh, I'm going to say Maverick will, because Maverick's been on TNA Impact before, right? Yes. I I think he'll probably end up over there. Shane Thorne, I think, will end up over at AEW. And then Morrison, Morrison might go AEW. Just because that's kind of like unexplored territory. Because he's he's done Impact. Mm -hmm. He's done pretty much every other major federation, I think, under the sun. Yeah, that's Morrison and and Valkyrie, I think, are going to be a package deal wherever they go. I don't know where they wind up, to be honest. I, th- I could see them going back to Impact. I could see that, too, yeah. I think that that might be the smart move right now. AEW is kind of tricky because it's so saturated right now. Mm-hmm. And whatever they're going to be getting from Ring of Honor, too, right. allegedly, you know, you just got to think that that's got to be in play as well. There's a lot of talent that they could go sign. It's just a matter of how many roster spots you have, mm-hmm. and that's the big factor. Do I think they would be smart to sign Morrison and Valkyrie? Absolutely. Oh, anybody would. I think you would. In fact, Taya Valkyrie in that women's division would be absolute money. Yeah. That is somebody that they could desperately need. So I could see that maybe. I think Impact is the way to go, though. Sure. So I, I'm going to say they wind up in Impact. Top dollar, Swerve, and Adonis, I'm actually going to say AEW. Okay. And I don't know how this will shake up with the acclaimed. 
Mm-hmm. But I could also see them also fitting in there as well. Like I think Hit Row is absolute money right now. Weren't they beefing on social media between the two? Uh, well, so, they were trying to defend Tony, right? Uh, the acclaim because Matt Caster does right. the rap gimmick too, right? I mean, there's there's your working if they sign AEW. Like, hey, we heard you talking shit about us. We showed up. Yeah, but I, but the only question would be like. Moving forward, somebody sure. can't do the same intro. I mean, because oh, that, no, yeah. th- that's the only problem you have with AEW. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you would see like Mac, Max Caster get repackaged or or something in that variation. But yeah. I think that that might be the only place that might be the kind of the X factor of what they do. Mm-hmm. But I think they'd be huge on AEW. Like I th- yeah. really think that they could thrive there. Um, but I think there's their safe bet is I would go around the indies. Mm-hmm. I would really go around the indies. Game changer wrestling. Yeah. Work the circuit right now, make some real buzz, and then kind of see how everything plays out. Because I could also see them getting re-signed by WWE. So sure, sure. Down the road. But I think that that's kind of the big question mark of WWE having buyer's remorse. Yeah. Letting them go. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Tegan Knox, I don't know. Tegan Knox, I think, will work the Indies. I think Indies will be a, a, sure, a place for a smart move. Especially just, I hate saying it with the injuries. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that I think is just the yeah. biggest asterisk by her. Drake Maverick, I think it will be around the Indies, but if he goes to Impact, I think wherever he goes, he's going to get over. Like, that's how good he is. Oh, yeah. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. Shane Thorne, New Japan, he's going to reunite with um, his tag team partner from TM61. Oh, okay. But it's the Mighty Don't Kneel. Like, that's oh. what, that was their original indie name. That's that's going to happen, I believe, uh, New Japan U.S. branch. Oh, gotcha. They're on. So I see that being the perfect landing spot for him. And Jackson Riker, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I There's a lot of baggage with that one. He's done impact. I don't know if they would want to go there again. I don't, like, I don't know. With him, is, is going to be kind of the biggest question mark. Yeah. Moving forward. But definitely be interested to see. And like we talked about on 607 TWS as well, because I know we went real in-depth about this is on yesterday's uh, stream. I'm very curious to hear what Triple H is going to say about this when it's all said yeah. and done. Uh-huh. Because I know that he's been very quiet, obviously dealing with some issues yep. outside of wrestling. Uh-huh. Medical. Medical. So we'll kind of have to wait to see how that all shakes up with him. So definitely wishing everybody good luck in the future endeavors. Yes. And then we gave a very, very definitive take about our feelings about WWE on 607TWS. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to rehash too much, but if you want to hear what Rich and I thought about the current situation and about streaming moving forward with them for the live reactions, definitely make sure you're listening to 607TWS for that explanation because we can't do it better than just say and hear the audio for the first time. But there was also more WWE news going on that I know Pad caught the event. Yes. So we are going to talk about some Survivor Series going on. Yeah, so Survivor Series obviously took place on Sunday from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, This is the uh, Thanksgiving week tradition for the WWE that airs every year. Uh, And this card was was okay. You know, not their worst ever, but not their best ever. I'm going to go through some of the matches. Uh, On the pre-show, you had Damian Priest, the United States champion, take on Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental champion. uh, and Damian Priest won via disqualification in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, so what happened with this is obviously Shinsuke came out with Rick Boogs. Uh, and you had that match going on and Boogs was doing Boogs things, playing his guitar. At one point, Priest looked at him and said, don't you, you know, because Priest has had this nasty shriek, I guess, the last couple of weeks on Raw. You know, and he looked at Boogs and says, quit playing that guitar or you're going to regret it. Mm. Boogs played the guitar one more time. So Priest went over there smacked him with the guitar and then he went and hit Shinsuke and that caused the disqualification. So, Hey, you know, uh, it was, yeah, don't care. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I know they've been trying to do some things with Damian Priest and, and slowly start turning him a little heel. Yeah. So this is a good way to do it because Boogs is so over with the live crowd. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and then the main card started, and they opened, opened with Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Shocked about this. Uh, so was I because there were rumors, rumors that it was going to close the show, but they decided to open with it. Yeah, you know what? I think it would have been the smarter move to close with it or uh, at least make it the midway point. Yeah. Because there was so much drama going on between these two. I mean, obviously, since Charlotte's throwing of the belt down and kind of that work shoot area that yeah. everybody's still kind of questioning what was real and what was not concerning that moment mm-hmm. because there's been rumors getting tossed around about Charlotte being a problem to work with backstage, allegedly. I think it started as a shoot, but I don't think it is now. I mean, it's tough to say, but it but it goes to show about how professional these two performers were because they had a great match from what I was hearing. Yeah, no, it was a great match. Uh, so Becky ended up winning uh, via pinfall, winning in 18 minutes and 15 seconds. And I know people are calling it, you know, Montreal Screwjob. I know Common Man said, you know, Charlotte's AEW about lesson. Becky didn't do anything differently than what Charlotte would have done. No, I mean, that's the thing about it, too. I think Charlotte Charlotte has become a very polarizing figure uh-huh. amongst wrestling social media. So yeah. her contract and her status is always going to be up in debate, I think, until yeah. we really get something concrete. Yeah. I mean, the match was, the match was good. You know, Becky came out. I know some people were comparing it to Britney Spears from the uh, one of her earlier music videos. I'm sorry, between her and then Charlotte Flair, they were uh, Wanda and Agatha Harkness from WandaVision. You cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah, no, Becky looked like Scarlet Witch. She looked like Scarlet Witch. Charlotte looked like Agatha Harkness. That was that was nuts. But the match wasn't as hard-hitting as I thought it'd be with as much hype it was going into. They hate each other. They can't stand each other. They want to kill each other, you know, so to speak. You know, I it wasn't as hard-hitting as I thought it was going to be, but it was still good. Well, I think at the end of the day, they're professionals. Yeah. And that's the one thing that will always carry through. I don't think this was going to be a situation where necessarily you were going to have a lot of shooting mm-hmm. on each other. Like, you know, when they were really hitting each other for real. Like, that's, yeah. you know, that kind of shooting stuff. Yeah. I don't think you were going to have that. I think you were going to have you were going to have some moments. And I think if something went sideways, I think somebody would have done something. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to kind of wait to see what happens moving forward if yeah. this is done. And then who knows with Charlotte. I mean, that's, yeah. like I said, a very, very big X factor right now. Very true. Uh, next up was the men's uh, five-on-five Survivor Series matchup. So this was... Uh, uh, team SmackDown versus Team Raw. So you had Drew McIntyre, Happy Corbin, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, and Sheamus on Team SmackDown. And on Team Raw, you had Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. Uh, this match lasted 29 minutes and 56 seconds, uh, with Team Raw emerging victorious. Match was okay. I mean, it was your it was your typical Survivor Series matchup, you know. One team would go down a man, and the other team would pounce on him, and then the other team, and you know, back and forth. It did get very interesting at the start, though, because Seth Rollins, being the self-promoted uh, captain, wanted to start the match, and, mm. and he was already drawing some attention to what he did last year. You know, where he knelt in the ring and took the bro kick from Sheamus, and said, you know, in a t- social media post, he listen, everyone in that photo, because somebody posted a photo of it. He goes, listen, everyone in that photo is flourishing because of what I did last year. So there was some speculation he might pull that stun again. again. But Kevin Owens very impassionedly was like, no, 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 I'm going to start this back and forth. And Seth relented and let him go start. Kevin Owens rolled out of the ring and got 10 counted out. Walked up the ramp, walked to the back, you know, 
which I know the AEW fans were le- were loving left, right, and center, given the speculation with where Kevin Owens is going once his contract is up. Uh, but outside of that, the match was what it was. You know, Raw emerged victorious, you know, with Seth Rollins being the sole survivor. See, the problem I have with this match is we're in a day and age now where the brand split just doesn't have as much gravity. No. And it's, it's, it's a nice... Uh, you know, a little garnish to the mm-hmm. plate, but it's not the full meal. Yeah. That's that's the problem I have with this, that I don't really feel like anybody is really fighting for the sake of Raw or the sake of SmackDown. It's just kind of like it is what it is. We just got everybody together. Let's do something, which I really think takes away from the original Survivor Series, you know, mantra, which they used to put teams together that had storylines. And then when they'd have all the teams at the end of the night, the sole survivors would go back and have a great match at the end of the night to close out the show. Like, I miss that point. I think right now with how they have it set up, it's just there's no real sizzle to it. Mm-hmm. And with Kevin Owens leaving, I know the AEW faithful were definitely out in full force early in the night for this. Yeah, because uh-huh. I know during the pre-shows I was reading a lot, a lot of tweets saying about the, how loud the AEW chants were during the pre-show. Sure. And then with Kevin Owens, who arguably is going to be the next big name to watch when his contract is up with WWE. Mm-hmm. I know him leaving with its storyline purpose-based, but everybody was running with it that was AEW. Right. I think everybody just kind of needs to pump the brakes right now. Yeah. I think that we'll wait to see what happens with Kevin in January and then go from there. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on the Survivor Series matchup not meaning much anymore. I do like Xavier Woods' idea. Uh, he, he said, quote, uh, in a, I believe it was a series of tweets, uh, he said, Survivor Series, five on five, Raw versus SmackDown. What a joyous occasion. But what are we fighting for? What I proclaim, your king proclaims that the losing team, Raw, obviously, should have a five-way elimination match fighting for uh, spots one through five in next year's Royal Rumble. SmackDown, the winning team would do the same, but we'd be fighting for spots 26 through 30. That's a great idea. If you guys are down, hit me up. Let me know. If not, it's cool. We can do bragging rights like usual, whatever. Roman sucks. Deuces. I love that idea. That's a great idea. Because like that, then all of a sudden, the Survivor Series matchup matters or something because you have a men's and you have a women's Survivor mm-hmm. Series matchup, and you also have a men's and a women's Royal Rumble match. Yeah, no, I agree with you. No, that, that makes a lot more sense to do than what they're doing. Uh-huh. Now. I mean, that's the one thing about it, it takes away from the brands because nobody cares about the brands. No, like, well, I mean, let's face it. I don't think there's been a Survivor Series matchup that mattered outside of the first one with the women and then the first one of the brand split. Those kind of like, were kind of, oh, yeah, hey, cool. But, like, for me, I haven't had a Survivor Series matchup that I was, like, excited for since this Team Cena versus Team Authority. Yeah, I was going to say that was the last one that really had something behind like, it. Like, that was the one I was really amped up for. But, like, it was obviously cool to see the first brand split one and the first women uh, Royal Survivor Series matchup, but like the last one that had some gravity to it was Team Cena versus Team Authority. Hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, the, like I'm going to mention again, this match ran 29 minutes and 56 seconds and ended up being longer if you count the entrances because they decided to give entrances complete with music for every one of the participants. Ah, oh, see, yeah, you so can't do Theory, that. Lashley, Balor, Owens, Rollins, McIntyre, Corbin, Hardy, Woods, and Sheamus all got their entrances. Should have been team captain. Everybody just Come, walks out. Complete with you know the 
augmented reality shit you see with some of them. Well, that's that's a keep that kill. keep that in mind because it's going to come back to bite them in the ass uh, later in the night. Okay. Uh, next up was the battle royal that was announced on like Friday, Saturday, whatever the hell it was. It was a twenty-five man battle royal uh, split uh, between Raw and SmackDown. Uh, you had the likes of AJ Styles, Angelo Dawkins, uh, Angel, uh Apollo Crews, Cedric Alexander, Cesaro, Chad Gable. Uh, Commander Aziz, Dolph Ziggler, Drew Gulak, Eric, uh, Humberto, Ivar, Jinder Mahal, uh, Mansoor, Montez Ford, uh, Omos, Otis, R-Truth, Ricochet, Robert Roode, Sami Zayn, Shanky, Shelton Benjamin, and T-Bar all taking place. So this is your typical battle royal. Over the top, you're out. You know, AJ Styles did the brilliant thing and rolled under the bottom rope and stood on the announce table. Waiting his turn, waiting his time and biding his time. Didn't matter because at the end of the night, almost emerged victorious. Uh, match was, listen, it was a battle royal. It was a piss break. Yeah, and there's nothing about this. And plus, I was hearing was a lot of pizza stuff in it. Yeah, so that was the other thing, too, was they gave, and again, think of the last match, they gave people intros. Typically, battle royal, you just start in the ring. You might have a couple entrances, but no, they decided to give AJ and almost their entrance. They decided to give the Street Profits their entrance and Ricochet his entrance. Street Profits got their entrance because they were sponsored. Uh, there was a Pizza Hut sponsorship, and I guess they were sponsored by Pizza Hut or something. They came out with pizzas uh, from Pizza Hut and were throwing them in the crowd, which was funny. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, but yeah, you see, on top of the ten intros you had, you had the four more intro, three more, four more intros for this match. Uh, this match went ten forty minutes forty five seconds, by the way, and like I said, almost emerged victorious. It was a battle royal. It was what it was. It was nothing pretty. They made almost look strong as all fucking hell. Well, they should be. They should be banking a lot on him. You know, almost almost this I think worked out great for his character in his career because he did this without AJ Styles. Okay. You know, AJ was in the ring and AJ helped for a bit, but AJ was ultimately eliminated. You know, so almost did a lot of this on his own. He ended up, he ended up eliminating almost it was like eight, nine, or ten guys. It was something crazy. Uh, after that, you had the matchup between the two tag team champions. So this was the Usos taking on RK Bro. Yeah. Uh, and RK Bro emerged victorious via pinfall in 14 minutes and 50 seconds. I mean, outside of the absolutely fucking insane uh, RKO Randy went to hit, went to hit on whichever Uso brother it was, uh, which has got to be in top five all-time RKO, RKOs I've ever seen. Uh, the rest of this match was forgettable. I'll be honest. Uh, but no, if you if you go if you can find the highlight of Randy Orton hitting that RKO, fucking insane because one of the Usos went to hit a frog splash uh, or some sort of flying maneuver off the corner, off the rope, or whatever the hell it was, and Randy Orton caught him in midair. Mm. Came literally out of picture frame, out of nowhere. RKO pin count over. Yeah, this match, I, I honestly don't care because RK bro, I don't care about him. Just waiting for them to get broken up because yeah. Randy. Say this match was notable uh, for Randy because he passed Kane for the most pay-per-view matches all time of WWE history. That's an insane record. Uh huh. That's one that even Cena sent out a congratulatory tweet because he's like, "Hey, it's an achievement I'll never attain." Yeah, no, that one, Randy. It, it's it's crazy to think that he's been on that many pay-per-views. Yeah, but. He's always been a long-standing franchise guy for yeah. WWE, so not super shocking, but when you do the math about it, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, and then the co-main event of the evening was the women's 5-on-5 Survivor Series matchup. So, again, this was Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Uh, on Raw, you had Bianca Belair, Carmella, Liv Morgan, Queen Zelina, Rhea Ripley, taking on Natalia, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, and Tony Storm, who was the late addition to SmackDown because they had a spot to fill. Oh, that's right. They, they did a spot where they got rid of Aaliyah because yeah. she's friends with Naomi yep. or something like that. Yep, so they put Tony Storm in there. 
Uh, and Team Raw ended up uh, emerging victorious. The match was okay. It's Like I said, it's a five-on-five Survivor Series matchup. You know what you're going to get. You know, nothing super special coming out of this, I, like I say, but it was okay. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing, too. Like I say, going back to my original point, yeah. it's just the brand thing is just not working. So if they want to do the idea for Xavier Woods, I'm for it. Yeah. And with Team Raw winning, I think that's a big move, too. So, yeah. you know, what? It, it was what it was. I heard, I heard, I will say, for... The mid-matches, I did hear a lot of good things about this yeah. one, though. Uh, and again, much like the men's 5-on-5 Survivor Series matchup, uh, again, this match went 23 minutes, 45 seconds. Longer if you account for the fact that every female wrestler got their intro. Yeah, see, like... <sighs> and like I said, again, this is going to... I'm going to mention it here in a bit. This is going to come back to almost bite him in the ass. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, your main event was Roman Reigns taking on Big E, Universal Champ versus WWE Champ. Uh, and you had Roman emerge victorious because, duh, uh, in 21 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, this match was okay. I mean, they made Big E look fucking strong as hell because I figured, I would, no, I didn't expect this to be a squash match, but I was interested to see how they would make Big E look coming out of this. Mm. They did make Big E look strong because I want to say he took like three or four Superman punches. Okay. And he just kept getting back up. That's good, though. He he took the first one and he just stood right back up. Took the second one, dropped to a knee, but he stood back up. Took the third one, fell down, fell down to ultimately ultimately came back up. They made they made Big E look strong. This this match was good. There was no shenanigans, you know, run in from the Usos. You know, to help Roman win, so Roman beat him straight. Roman beat Big E straight up. You know, because I know that's something people have been complaining recently. Is all oh, Roman can't win without the help of his brothers, of his cousins. You know, so they made Roman look strong and like, hey, I don't always need my cousins to help me win. They made Big E look strong because he didn't get punked out. You know, and but the reason this, and I will say, the match felt like it ended abruptly. But that was because they were running against time, uh, mm. reportedly. There were reports that came out on Monday that uh, WWE had a hard out on the Peacock of 1135. Uh, and they ended, I want it because I looked at my clock because I'm at my watch because I didn't realize what time it was. I'm like, oh, shit. It's, it was like 1131, 1132 when they finished. So they ultimately got bit in the ass by giving 10 intros on the Men's Survivor Series uh, match, four intros on the Battle Royal match, and then another 10 intros on the Women's Survivor Series matchup. They almost bit him in the ass. That's a little crazy. Yeah. But I w- I'm glad that they put Biggie over strong. Yeah, they made Biggie look real he strong. He should have won, though. You know, like, because here's the problem you have now. Mm hmm. Roman has defeated literally everybody on that roster, it feels like. Not everybody. I mean, who else is he not? Drew. No, he beat Drew a couple years ago. It was the Raw vs. SmackDown Survivor Series. Well, was, uh, Roman wasn't in this character, though. No, no. Uh, it was just starting. Oh, okay. It was just, yeah, it was uh, It was last year's, actually. Oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, you're that's right. what I said, because they put on a great match. That's what I say. When they're going to finally run it back, that makes sense. But it just kind of goes like I think they would have been the smart money would have been to have Big E win. Sure. And then because the belt's not on the line. Like we talked about this in 607 TWS, and I think it's it's right on. The belt wasn't on the line. You can definitely go and have him win, and then you at least break up that two years of not losing. Yeah. Because now who is there that he hasn't faced? You, you, there's a, there's a couple of people you could do a program with. There, like. There's guys there he hasn't faced, but none of them are like legitimate. Oh, they could beat Roman, right? Like I think what they should do, because I know his name has been getting floated around. Yeah. Just for a quick program, like through Royal Rumble. Yeah. Jeff Hardy. 
Yeah, I could see that. You know, if you want to do something he's been there. Getting, he's been getting some shine lately. Yeah, like I think that would be a smart uh, feud to do. I mean, yeah. depending on what you want to do with Brock, because now if Brock's suspension has gone. Allegedly, it might be because that, uh, Kayla Braxton did one of her fantastic surprise interviews with Paul Heyman. And she did allege that Brock's uh, indefinite suspension might be up. Yeah, so, I mean, that would make a lot of sense to do. Other than that, like I, I just I struggle to think who he's going to fight against because I mean Drew is the safe bet. Drew, oh, I, yeah. I, th- I think I think it's locked up for Drew and Roman at Mania. Oh, probably if they if the Rock thing can't happen, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit to close out the segment about the Rock. Yeah. So during this show, there was an Easter egg mm-hmm. that Vince McMahon had brought in. Now, well, a literal egg. This is the egg that is the centerpiece of the plot for Red Notice, The Rock's mm-hmm. movie with Gil Godot and Ryan Reynolds on Netflix. Which we got to mention, there was money involved. You know, WWE was paid to have this whole shtick spot happen. So this wasn't just Vince doing Rock a solid, which he probably would have done. Oh, no, yeah, sure. But no, the money, money was exchanged between WWE and I presume Netflix. Yeah. In, uh, a la... Uh, the Zack Snyder zombie movie at whatever pay-per-view it was uh, where, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that'll, yeah. there was money involved with that. So um, along the similar lines, you know, there was uh, Vince showed up for the pay-per-view mm-hmm. showed up and, and everybody cheered him. And all there were, it was all the backstage guys, you know, the guys and girls you aren't seeing a lot currently, yeah. you know, were there cheering him and he had, he had the egg from the movie and he had it on his desk and, you know, you had that going on and then it went missing. You know, and you have that coupled with in between every match on the card, they were showing vignettes because it was the 25th anniversary of The Rock's debut, you know, on WWE programming. You know, some of his greatest moments. So you had his debut. You had his match with uh, Stone Cold at WrestleMania. The moment with him and Mankind on Raw. Him beating Cena. You know, just all these great moments through, sprinkled throughout the night, literally between every match. Mm. That, that I'm sitting there going... I don't remember, and I could be wrong. Let us know. Hashtag ODPH pod. I don't remember them doing this shit for Taker when it was his 30th, you know, last year or whatever it was. And I'm so between the egg, which, you know, and Vince clearly said in the broadcast, this was given to me by The Rock. Mm-hmm. Said it multiple times. That coupled with, uh, you know, the vignettes, I'm sitting there thinking they're setting the possible storyline for him versus rock i you know then you had the brock comment and i'm like oh brock might show up tonight in wreck house because of that shit uh neither one of them showed yeah i thought the way they handled this was very very bad Mm -hmm. because i mean vince basically decided to work the entire internet wrestling community online now it's been reported by dave Meltzer, and take it for what it's worth uh, if you if if you believe Dave Meltzer or not, but he has said uh, on the Wrestling Observer that supposedly Rock couldn't make it to Barclays and Survivor Series because he was out of the country. You know, he was out of the country on some sort of promotion or filming or something, and that's simply because of travel and COVID restrictions and having to test and all that. You know, wouldn't it just wasn't physically possible for him to be there? Which I fully buy. Yeah, I do. Between his film schedule and then if he's still doing, I don't know if he's still doing promotion. He's doing promotion on social media, which is easy to do in your free time. But whether it's for filming purposes or promotion for Red Notice, if he's doing like a worldwide press tour for Red Notice, you know, either way, he was out, he was uh, allegedly overseas. Plus, I don't think, in my humble opinion, they were going to have The Rock there to build up, what, him against Roman... For WrestleMania, this many months out, 
I mean, it just it seems like fantasy booking. It, it is, but I think you also people were buying into it between. Oh yeah, I mean, well they well, got be, let on. Well, b- between the show and then you had Roman on what was it, Fallon or Kimmel, mm-hmm. and it got brought up. And then you had Rock on another one of the late night shows. I think this, either the week prior, or the same week, and it got brought up there. So it got brought up tw- either twice in a week or twice in a couple of days that it got brought up to their them specifically. Well, I, I, and I know there's some smoke to it. Like I, I was sure. Like, but I think at the end of the day, we all have to remember one key factor. Do we remember the last time he wrestled? Yeah, New York. Yeah, John Cena. Yeah, what happened? Uh, he tore something. I forget. What tore his spleen. Yeah, and he had put. I believe the movie was Hercules. Yeah, it was a Hercules on the shelf. So there is a little bit of a clause that says he can't do wrestling. And now unless he gets some of that waived by his studios, and that's a, a whole thing above my pay grade. Yeah. I don't think he was going to be coming back. Like I, I think he wants to do it. I think because he's been asking, he'd love to have, I think he's even said he would like to have one more match. You know, I don't know. He said he's like to wrestle uh, Roman because, I think, hey, family, cousins. And, I, you know. I think he wants to give Roman the rub and elevate Roman a little bit. I also think he wants to pay Roman back a little bit for what happened at the Royal Rumble in 2015, 2016, or whatever it was, when Roman won that one and went on to main event WrestleMania 31. And that was the one where he came out and helped him, and it was in Philly, and they were booing the shit out of him. Mm. I think I think Rock might want to pay him back for that not going as well as uh, The Rock might have wanted it to. I mean, sure. I mean, the, I'm, the thought's there. I'll give you that. But I just I can't see him doing that because Hollywood is a whole different ball of wax than WWE. This is true. So, like, the amount of money that is going around there, Rock might want to unless every movie goes through his direct production company and he gets away. I mean, like, I don't I, – I can't say how it's going to get broken down. He'd have to get a lot of waivers waived. Yeah. Like, that's the key factor. I think that, sure, he would love to wrestle again. I'm I'm positive about that, and yeah, I'm sure that Roman being the top guy in the company makes a lot of sense. And you know what? Big dog. Well, yeah, they could definitely headline WrestleMania with that. I mean, it'd be a heartbeat. But the fact that WWE kept bringing him up and hinting at it and really mm-hmm. driving that point, and then completely just go, huh, I think is just such a disservice to fans. Yeah, I mean, the only ones that I say I, I kind of laugh a little bit is the people that were going so hard for AEW at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and then when that rock stuff started to happen, they flip-flopped, uh-huh. and we're all WWE marking out and going crazy about that, and then when it didn't happen, they were bashing WWE and you know, uh-huh. get back about, you know, I'm with AEW. Like, if you're going to fly your flag, fly your flag. If you enjoy both, that's fine. Yeah, if you enjoy, enjoy both. If you enjoy one over the other, stick with it. You know, if you were, if you're like myself, I, I watch WWE. I don't watch AEW. You don't see me flip. I've been very adamant from day one. I don't really like AEW. I don't watch AEW. Mm-hmm. You don't see me flipping back and forth, you know, between WWE and AEW. Like, I'm sticking to my guns here. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. is It's one thing if you want to get out there and you're, and you're hyping up AEW, bashing WWE. And then all of a sudden, The Rock is coming in, like, oh, whoa, 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 we're, we're flipping. Like, we're yeah. marking out like it's back in 1998. You can't do that. No. It's, I'm sorry. It's, that's what we call being a fair-weather fair fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can't do that. And then at the end of the night, well, you know, if Rock was in AEW, we wouldn't have this problem. Oh, stop. Uh-huh. Stop. You can't, you can't do that. And then... I saw people calling out people that were Impact fans. Uh, yeah. And I'm sorry, they, they had a legit argument. I mean, the Impact jokes were funny. 
The Impact joke was funny, but let's face it, The Rock did more for Impact and, uh-huh. and for the Ken Shamrock speech than he did for this Survivor Series. The Rock on Sunday night did more for Impact than did more for Impact on Sunday night than AEW did for the entire run of the Forbidden Door. And they're not wrong. I'm just saying, you can say whatever you want about it, but AEW is the only person that benefited from that Forbidden Door because they got their talent on Impact's TV. Uh-huh. Please tell me when the Impact champion showed up on Dynamite. I'll wait. So that being said, the moral is Survivor Series was an okay card. Yeah. We didn't really miss too much about it. Like I said, if you want more explanation about why we're not streaming some WWE stuff moving forward, 607TWS. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, because we talked about some WWE wrestling. We talked about some WWE releases. We talked about being good fans. And listen, enjoy wrestling, period. You don't, and, but if you plant your flag, you can't be flip flopping during shows. And don't jump any barricades to do it. Yeah, fuck that guy. Completely. Uh, let's say Barclays needs to up their security because I saw today. That's the same, where that. So if in case you missed it or don't watch Raw, a fan jumped the barricade on Monday Night Raw and attacked Seth Rollins uh, or tackled Seth Rollins on the entrance ramp. Uh, somebody online pointed out today that uh, Bret Hart was attacked at the Barclays Center for the Hall of Fame ceremony a couple years ago. And somebody even dug out a gif from a fan who took a video. The fan from who attacked Brett jumped out of the same section that that fan jumped out and attacked Seth from. So Barclays, work on your security at that portion. Exactly. And if you're a fan, be a fan. Stay in your seats. Don't jump the barricade because you will get your ass whipped. Uh huh. And rightfully so. And when you get punked out on the internet, I will not feel bad for you. Also, let's face it. We knew Brooklyn's defense was weak. Hey, not wrong there. Gave you a lot to talk about wrestling fans, so definitely hit us up. Let us know what you thought about this past week, WWE news. We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little local minute and some big baseball news, Pat. Yeah, so it was announced uh, on Monday here locally uh, that the Binghamton Rubble Ponies are going to be staying in town for more than two decades. Damn. Uh, they announced on Monday <laughs> that they have signed a 23-year lease extension at Marabito Stadium. Uh, additionally, the team announced a new owner. Uh, David uh, Sabotica of Southpaw Resources LLC will take the reins of the new team uh, from John Hughes of Evans Street Evans Street Baseball. Uh, Hughes has had the ownership for more than six years, uh, and then the transition is effective immediately. Uh, in, in a news release, uh, Sabotica said he's excited to be get to work in Binghamton. Quote, we are beyond thrilled to join the Rumble Ponies and Mets family and be part of the bright future of professional baseball in Binghamton for many years to come. We will work tirelessly to keep earning the support of the entire Binghamton and Southern Tier communities while continuing to bring exceptional baseball an exceptional baseball experience to fans and players alike. Close quote. Uh, along with the, uh, the news conference that went on, Binghamton Mayor Rich David announced $3.1 million has been allocated to bring the facility into compliance with Major League Baseball new facility standards uh, and we should note that uh, along with this next year is going to be a bit of a milestone for baseball here in Binghamton it'll mark 30 years of baseball here in Binghamton 
Get out. It's yeah. been 30 years already. Yeah, there has been a team here playing in Binghamton since 1992, all of them uh, as affiliates of the New York Mets. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's weird because, I mean, I remember going to opening day mm-hmm. when it was the B-Mets and, yep. and to see, like, the progression of the teams. And, like, listen, if you haven't been down to the stadium locally. They made a lot of good changes. They made a lot of good changes. I remember writing a blog about this on Parley Points uh, way back when. There's a lot to enjoy that's not just baseball. It's yeah. a night out. It's a very Food's fun experience. Great. Yeah, they've done so much work down there. Seriously, if you get the chance to go, it's very affordable, too. Oh, my God, yeah. I definitely want to stress that point. Oh, my God, yeah. So consider that, obviously, with everything going on. If you can get down there next season, get down there next season. Definitely go check some games out. You will not be disappointed because it's some fun baseball. Yeah, and then uh, some Binghamton Black Bears news. Looking at the standings, they are currently in second place uh, behind Watertown, who has a record of 6-2. and two. Uh, And then Alt Binghamton is 5-3. and three. Uh, Looking at their games they had the, this past week, they had a bit of a split. They had an absolutely bonkers game on Friday. I was hearing about this from a coworker uh, who's really selling me on the idea. I need to get down there because it sounds... Listen, the way it was described to me, if you like the movie Slapshot, you will love this this hockey league. You have my attention. Uh, they won, So they won the game on Friday uh, against the Port Huron Prowlers by the final score of 8-1. to 8-1? to 8-1. There was like 60-some-odd shots on goal. Guys were checking guys left, right, and center. Uh, sounds absolutely insane. Uh, but then they split the game on Saturday, losing by the final score of 6-2. to two. So my, my co-worker's telling me about this. I'm like, listen, I just need to get down there. Holy crap. When can I get down there, you might ask? Funny you should say that. Uh, looking at their schedule, they've got this coming week. Uh, they've got a home game this Wednesday, uh, November 20th at 7 p.m. against the Danbury Hattricks. Uh, and then this weekend, uh, they're out of town. Uh, Friday, November 26th at 7.30, they're playing the Delaware Thunder. That's down in Delaware. Uh, and then Saturday, November 27th, they've got a 7 o'clock game against the Delaware Thunder again. But they do re- return home uh, the following week on Saturday, December 4th. More information, tickets, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And some Binghamton Bulldogs news. Uh, unfortunately, this past week, they took their first L. Oh, that's, so, the, that's a bummer. Yeah, so they lost to the Garden State Warriors 117 to 106. Uh, they fought back from being down double digits, uh, but unfortunately could not come away with the win. So now they are currently ranked number seven overall in the ABA rankings. And they're next going to be home this uh, November 27th, 7 p.m., Binghamton Sports Complex. They're going to be taking on Steel City. So the Yellow Jackets are coming to town, uh, number 10 versus number 7. So it'll be a fun night, Saturday night at the Bulldogs Sport Complex. More information about that, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. And remember, Excite Wrestling tickets are on sale for Excite Fight Club as well. So plug in Johnny Moose and the team down there, ExciteWrestling.com for more information on them. So let's get around those bases, shall we, Pad? Yeah, i got to talk a little bit of baseball because the Hall of Fame uh, ballot was released just uh, yesterday as we record. And we got some interesting folks on this ballot. Okay. Uh, So you have holdovers. So some folks were still on the ballot uh, from years past include Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, Todd Helton, uh, Tim Hudson, Tori Hunter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, uh, Omar Vizquel, and Billy Wagner. You also do still have uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, uh, and Sammy Sosa, all of whom are on the ballot for the final time. This is their 10th year and final year they will be on this ballot. Outside of that, they're going to have to make it in by the Legends Committee, which only votes once every like 10 years or something absurd like that. Uh, so, uh, 
uh, what is it? Bonds and Clemens fell short last year. Uh, sh- uh, what is it? Sh- uh, Schilling got on 71.1% of the ballots. Uh, Bonds got on 61.8% and Clemens got on 61.6%. You need 75% uh, to get on the ballot. Uh, but some notable folks uh, making the ballot for the first time this year. You've got Justin Morneau, Jimmy Rollins, uh, Jake Peavy, Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Jonathan Papelbon, AJ Pierzynski, Mark Teixeira, uh, and then also David Ortiz, Ryan Howard, Tim Lincecum, and Alex Rodriguez. So Ortiz is the only one making that out of the list. Ortiz will make it. Schilling might. Schilling got real damn close last year. Uh, Bonds and Clemens, probably not. No, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think Bonds and Clemens are getting in. I, no. I think that's a wrap there. Yeah. From the names you mentioned, they're first-timers. <sighs> Nobody's really jumping. I mean, no. they're good players. Yeah. Don't get me wrong in their, in their time, but it's more like... They were good for their teams. Yeah. They were not like, you know, we talk Hall of Fame and the greatest of all time. Uh-huh. And the name is just, in my opinion, not really. Yeah, Joe Nathan, Joe Nathan was a great closer, not any, not Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. Papelbon was good for his time for the brief period of time. Yeah, good hiccup of time. Good hiccup of time. You know, all, they're all good players and were good players for their time, but, like, none of them ever revolutionized the position or did something game-changing or anything, like, crazy. So it's, as sad as it is to say for some of them, I don't think they'll make they'll get the call. No, it, and plus the Baseball Hall of Fame is kind of weird, too. Yeah. How people vote in there, in my opinion, is just, it's yeah, it, it's it's a whole different yeah. One ball person game. didn't vote for Jeter, and we'll never know who it is. <sighs> no, because that is just egregious, and somebody tried doing it for clickbait, and I don't even want to give them time of day about yep. that. So. Uh, so we should note, ballots must be postmarked by December 30th, and the results will be announced on January 25th. Ooh, uh-huh. so that should be pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. All right, so going to my bases, uh, talking a little quick hockey. Our beloved Rangers were winners this past Sunday, 5-4 over Buffalo. That game was nuts. That game was absolutely crazy. Game-winning goal with like .4 seconds left. Give it to me. Rangers are playing solid hockey right now, so I am definitely happy what I'm seeing from them. Uh, Wednesday night, they are taking on the New York Islanders, and they got Boston on Friday, and then Sunday they're back facing the Islanders. Hey. So, uh, you know... Definitely go check out what the Rangers are doing because that's the only hockey team we'd like talking about here because I, yes. I can't fake it for anybody else. I just can't. It's just not me. And NBA news. Mm-hmm. So the first time in 19 years LeBron James is suspended a game. Unless you count the fourth quarter of the 2011 NBA Finals. Right. hey But he decided to get into a skirmish with Detroit Pistons center Isaiah Stewart. Something about Detroit early in the season. Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> and the and the anniversary of that damn game with against Indiana was the other day. I know that's something about this time of year in Detroit. Man, I don't know what it is. It's it's weird. It's weird. I do say I do do got to say though. I did love watching the highlight. The public address announcer cranking the volume on this on the arena speakers to like twenty three fans. Please stay in your seats. And I'm like, oh shit, they don't want to repeat. No, they don't want another Malice at the Palace. That was ups- that was just insane, though. I haven't seen anything like that maybe since Malice at the Palace. Yeah, no. Well, you you rarely see LeBron in something like this. Oh, yeah. But he really laid a shot into on Stewart. Oh, God, yeah. She he, laid a shot, cut him up. And then just Stewart's reaction was just like, I'm like yo, you've kind of lost it a little bit there. Yeah, well, I mean, he's bleeding. So I can oh, understand sure. why. Like, that was a nasty shot he took. And he was fighting through people. Like, this reminded me of a little WWE. Like, he really yeah. wanted a piece of LeBron. Like, well, he ran at him. He's like, I'm good, I'm good. And then he ran at him again. I'm yeah. good, I'm good. And then he took off through the tunnels. Yeah. And and you had, what was he? You had LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo. <laughs> Westbrook wanted a piece. They they were all standing at the be- at the Lakers bench waiting for him to come out. And I love the video that came out today. 
from somebody who was sitting courtside of Carmelo, and Carmelo was looking at the ref going, he ain't coming out that door. He ain't going to come out that door. Yeah. L- Mello knew. Mello knew. Mello, yeah, Mello knows a little thing or two, so he was like, he ain't coming out. Like, we're good. But, yeah, so LeBron is suspended, and he will be missing the game, uh, his one trip to Madison Square Garden this year. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a very good chance. So he will not be facing the Knicks tonight as they're scheduled to play. So. Also, I don't have the schedule up in front of me. I know LeBron's going to come back, and Detroit, they're playing Detroit, like, within the next week. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> wait and see about that. So that was kind of the only thing going on with the NBA. NBA is still kicking into gear. As the March to Christmas Day kicks in, which yeah. I guess is the true opening day, so yeah. you don't want to get too much. That's when I that. start paying attention, exactly. But we gotta close this show out doing what we do best, and that is locks and leaps week eleven. And man, oh man, the leaderboard is getting a little tight. Uh huh. It's getting a little tight. JT from the East Coast Avengers has only now a two point lead over Joey DeCarlo from the So Wizard podcast. Right behind them is. The co-host himself, Padawan J. Hey, yo. So you are only four back if I'm reading this correctly. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a definite chance. I'm right with you, though. I'm, I got 30, You got 39. I have 35. JT's got 43. Joey's got 41. Rich from the 3 Fat Nerds podcast. Mac East from We Get Dubbed have 34 points. Mash from Hops Geeks News. Evan the Great from Villains Demand. And Jay West from We Get Dubbed all have 33 points. Your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, had 32. Mm. And I don't think the picks, uh, his uh, advisor last week had a good week. No. I think that was a big offer right there. Uh, JVD from the Villains Man podcast, 30 points. And Brian Wayne from Truth Comics uh, closing up the rear at 27. Still a lot of football left in the regular season, so it's getting a little tight in that top spot. Uh huh. JT, I'm telling you, I, he's he's got to get refocused there because he was running away with it for a bit, but Joey got hot. He's he's on a heater right now. Mm. And you're right behind him, too. Well, much like Thanos and Bill Belichick, I am inevitable. <laughs> that being said, Pat, who you got for your locks and leaps this week? Uh, so for my lock, I'm going to take the New England Patriots over the Tennessee Titans, who are currently favored by six and a half points. Uh, and then for my leap, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings, who are currently uh, underdogs. Uh, San Francisco is currently favored by three points. All right. So, you know what? I almost took those games, to be honest with you. Uh, I almost did, but it's, I want to try being a little different. Uh, for my lock, I'm not feeling good about this one. Uh-oh. But it's Sunday night, I believe. Yes. It is Baltimore, three-and-a-half favorites over Cleveland. Mm. So... Usually, like when I pick the Browns, I'm expecting something big. Yeah, they let me down past a couple times, so this I'm kind of I'm kind of mad. So this is true. So Baltimore, show me that you got something. If not, I'm going to be uh, very very angry next podcast. If Lamar's there, you got a real good shot. If Lamar ain't there, yikes. Well, you know me. I like to roll some dice with some picks. This is true. Like right now, I I doubt I'm going to catch the leaderboard, but if I can beat Coach Duffy, that's a moral victory. <laughs> I have to because otherwise, I'll say I'll get my advice from Bill O'Brien about how to run my team. Oh. And for my leap. Uh, you know what? I was actually surprised about this one. Uh-huh. Seattle's only a, pay, a point favorite or a dog to Washington. Wow. I was shocked when I read that. So Russell Wilson back going to Washington? Like, who's wow. Washington got? I'm sorry. Like, that that seems like easy money to me. So I am taking Seattle with my leap. So we'll have to wait and see what happens this week. And also remember, games kick off a triple header this Thursday as it is Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. So that all being said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf 
formerly of Fair City Fire. Now he's Brian Wolf. Mm-hmm. He's got new music coming out. I don't know if he has a new single coming, but okay. we have one already. Yes, we do. Pad, where do I go to find out more about him? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with uh, Shout of the Robots. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Everything going on with Tom Jolu. Yard Party. Floodlands. All the amazing groups that give us their music to play on the ODPH Podcast Network. You can also check out Parlay Points. New blogs coming this week. Pad, I don't think I've written this much in recent memory. Okay. Because I think uh, if I'm looking at my slate, I have five coming out this week. Hey, for a week, for a single week. Now we've 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 come close a couple times. But it's like you're at the end of a semester in college. Yeah, it kind of is, but it's a big comic week, and maybe there'll be some wrestling out too. I don't know yet. We gotta kind of wait to see how everything shakes out. But sure. I want to try doing something for Black Friday, so I'm trying to hammer out a lot of blogs because I want to try getting people to go support some independent comics. Uh, over this holiday break. So we'll see if time allows it, but we're looking on good pace right now. Knock on the table. <laughs> we also got the links for the T-Public store. So if you want to get some ODPH swag for the holidays, including there is a new design Padawan J has been working on. Hey-o. So we'll kind of wait to see if we can get that done in time. I have a rough sketch of that done. Mm. So I got to run it by Pad because I want to make sure it's what he's looking for for that sure. as well. So the Padawan line is coming out. Uh, so the links are right there, and there's definitely going to be some sales going on during the holiday season. So if you've ever been waiting to get a Parlay Club shirt and there's some of the new designs we have coming out, the subway sign, everything else, this is the time to go grab it. So definitely make a point to swing over to Public, Get stuff for less. I'm telling you, you don't have to pay a pull price. Get it on sale. It's the way to do it. But we also have a directory, which has links to the show on every single podcast provider. Pat, how many are we up to now? Uh, 10,000. And counting every day now. And we're getting new subscribers, too, so we can't say thank you enough for supporting the brand. And we also have a classified section, which has friends of the show. So if you're looking for somebody to go support on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, swing on over there. Go check out all our amazing friends there. We also have organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. We also have links to all the amazing pod groups we are in. And my golden rule is if you're in a group and you're not on Podchaser with your group, you're not in a group. Just saying. So that being the case, shout out to the Inner Circle, shout out to the Apocalypse, shout out to 607 Podcasts, and our good friends over at 8122productions.com, and sign up for that Patreon too. Definitely go support what is going on, because they have got some good designs coming out for their T-Public store as well, Pat. Oh, boy. If I said ugly sweater, how does that grab you? Uh, well, it's obviously going to have Diesel's face on the front. Ooh, that would be a hot seller, though. Probably. I'm saying I want. I want there's a couple designs I want to run by Rich too. I, I I came across that I think would be hot sellers for him as well. So definitely want to check out everything going on there. But how you get there is very simple. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next time. Sometimes I lay awake at night Wondering what life would be like If you weren't taken before your time The lessons you taught me Try to remember, try to engage Sometimes it feels just like I'm staring at an empty page I think about the years we had together 
I'd love 